On the issue of why does God hate the poor that I am contemplating, Christianity is the only religion that I know of that seems to have realized the problems I am contemplating, at least implicitly, and at least in its beginnings. And it came up with the concept of the Trinity to get around the problems of contemplating, to try to make the God of the ontological proof a loving God, to make a loving God more than just a hope or issue of fate, but a rational concept. Christianity rejects the concept of pantheism, and we must reject it also, as discussed in the prior podcast, based on the fact that the ontological God must love himself, yet at the same time it is factually undisputed that he hates some of his creations. If he were a pantheistic God, such would not be possible. Since he does hate, he must not be pantheistic. As this is an open-minded philosophical contemplation, we cannot be scientific bigots and reject religious theological concepts outright. Concepts such as the Trinity sound far-fetched at first glance, but logically, it is no more far-fetched than believing in a particle that is really a probability wave until an instrument observes it. Then it becomes a quantum energy pack unless the measurement scale is so big that everything becomes space-time, geometric gravity waves, whatever. If you are willing to believe the fictions of modern-day physics uh, because they work, you have no basis to logically ridicule theological concepts such as the Trinity that may also work to solve the problems they they were intended to solve. For example, I recently read a paper by philosopher Dennis Lycombe at Oxford University entitled why Einstein did not believe that general relativity geometricizes gravity. For decades now, we've been hearing uh, relativity theory as describing a universe made of geodisks, of a uh, geometry consisting of four dimensions in which space-time creates a bunch of curves and that this is supposedly the true nature of the universe. Well, it turns out that this... uh, popular description is not what Einstein, is not how Einstein understood it, nor how many other physicists understood it. Uh, It turns out that this description of the universe as a bunch of geometric four-dimensional space-time geodisks is simply an attempt by some physicists to dumb down the mathematics for popular understanding so that it will be accepted as a matter of fate. Uh, Neither Einstein nor many other physicists accept, accept this ge- geometry, geometric description of space-time. Scientists, more often than not these days, are just as religiously blinded by the success of their fictions as any re- religious fanatic. We have to be open-minded and remember that in reality, almost all truth, except for a very f- small amount of ontological proofs, dependent on the ontological nature of thought or language, that all other truths are pragmatic. Something is true solely because it works and for no other reason. The concept of a trinity at first glance seems to be a a way around the problem of God's missing self-love from the card game of reality through the following reasoning. Sure, God has created this card game and now sits outside of it, loving some players and hating others. Since he is God, he must have done this out of necessity, but alas, he knows it, and out of love 
for his struggling creations, becomes human in order to share his self-love with all. The relationship becomes the third person, the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth as the Trinity doctrine goes. Since God is timeless, he has always existed as three co-substantial persons, the Father, the Son, also known as Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. These three persons exist as one God and three divine persons, and so on and so forth as the concept goes. As nice as these uh, disimplication seems, however, the Trinity concept on the issue of God's love and hate of humans is a two-edged sword. Sure, it provides a means to get God's love back into the card game, but it also provides an ontological basis for God's love being out of the card game in the first place. If uh, God truly does have a human person as part of his nature, as Christianity states, that human person must be able to hate or would not be human. By admitting that God exists as a human person in one of his, uh, in part of his substance, Christians are admitting that God can hate. According to Christians, by reference to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, they argue that this second person, Jesus Christ, may have the option to hate, but has always chosen and will always choose not to hate. As usual, biblical arguments depend on a careful picking of biblical passages while ignoring others. One of my favorite biblical passages is Matthew 20, uh, 1-16, known as the parable of the workers in the vineyard, that admits God's, even the New Testament God's, hate for some of his creations. The parable goes as follows. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been, sta- why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received an heiress. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a heiress. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landlord. Those who were hired last worked only for one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne, borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? This is a passage where the Jesus Christ person of the Trinity essentially admits to the hateful nature of God and sees no problem with it. God is being unjust, unfair, and a hateful capitalist to the workers who spent all day working hard for him in the hot sun, but 
according to God. So what? It is his vineyard and his money. He can do whatever he wants with it, which is true. What is funny or sad about this parable is that the portion of it that admits to even the New Testament God being unjust, unfair, and hateful is ignored. Usually this parable is taken as a lesson of, of envy, that the workers who worked all day and expected real money for their work were committing the sin of envy. If it is envy to get equal pay for equal work, then I don't really see how envy is much of a sin, but whatever. If you're going to argue to the Trinity as a way to get God's love back into the card game of reality, one must also have to admit that it may be the Trinity is that the Trinity is the reason why the love was out of the card game in the first place. If God was really just one being, in reality is pantheistic with this being, we would all by necessity know equally of his love. Since he is not, but includes a human person, this human person may be the means by which he stays out of the card game. Regardless, this is a side issue and we're definitely getting into areas whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must be silent. Not asking how God hates the poor. Again, he is God. He can do whatever he wants, as the parable of the workers admits. Uh, if he wanted, he could have started all the workers at the same time. Uh, he could have created shift work so that all the workers worked the same amount of hours. Uh, he could have created some kind of pay system where everyone gets equal pay for equal work. As an all-powerful God, there are an infinite number of things he could have done, but he didn't. Uh, he did what he did, and the Trinity provides no answer on this, and he does what he does. Uh, he clearly hates the poor and treats some life in reality different, better, or worse than others. We seem to have reached a point at which we should be finally able to answer this question. Uh, we have discussed the ontological nature of God, varying from justice to morality to good and evil and many other issues. So what is the answer to the uh, question that I've been asking? <laughs>